It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now! I'm starving! On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, presented, of course, by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Those of you that check us out, either the entire episode or just the highlight clips on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL can see the helmets of the teams I used to play for. Now I'm into the broadcasting game and I'm into the podcasting game. Absolutely love the even money podcast where we kill it with our bets every week. College draft podcast. So fun to talk college football and Emory's been killing it on those bets. The Ross Tucker football podcast, of course, is daily and this is the show that gets you ready for fantasy football each and every week whether you're playing dfs or you just need to set your lineups pick up waivers whatever it is it is called the fantasy feast you can check me out on social at ross tucker nfl us out at ross tucker pod and you definitely want to check out joe dolan at fg underscore Dolan he's the man with the plan the top ranked fantasy analyst according to fantasypros.com they do the test they do the numbers I have no idea of their methodology I don't care I just know that Joe's my co-host fantasy pros that he's the best good enough for me good enough for me fantasy pros thank you you know what else is good enough for me fantasypoints.com where if you type in the code 21 feast all of your wildest, craziest dreams will come true. Or you'll at least get the best fantasy information available anywhere. Fantasypoints.com, Code21Feast. Joe, we got games in. We got a whole week of games in. Uh, It's just nice. It's just nice to get some idea of some of these players, some of their usage. I guess just kind of your overall week one thoughts and maybe in particular how much do we count week one you know for our decisions moving forward how much weight does it carry um you have to be careful not to overreact you have to separate the signal from the noise and we're not going to do that perfectly ross it's not going to happen perfectly there's going to be some things this week that look very real that just are, are mirages you know Last year, I think the Browns lost by like 35 points in week one to the Titans. You know, they ended up going deep into the playoffs. Uh, uh, last last year in week one, the Jaguars won. They beat the Colts in week one and didn't win in single game the rest of the way. So you have to look at the, those things and separate them um, based on on on. Uh, based on, you know, their upcoming opponents. Could Did something unravel in the game? But we also have to react to things that, you know, maybe there was evidence was going to happen. You have to be careful not to confirm your priors, but you also have to be careful not to not to pass something off because you didn't think it was going to happen. So, you know, there's two sides of that coin. Maybe our priors were correct. Maybe they were wrong. So uh, we'll try to separate that as we go forward. Love it. Uh, Cannot wait to do it. Excited about it. Let us start with Thursday night football. It'll be here tomorrow night already. It's Washington 
hosting the Giants. Washington has a new quarterback, so there's a lot to discuss there, Joe. Oh, I mean, thanks to the NFL for putting this crap fest on national television in week two. I mean, you know, like this, this, this. This pisses me off, Ross, and I'm going to tell you why. Because on Sundays, I'm working, man. I like I can't sit down and really enjoy the slate. You know, I'm working. I'm doing the radio. We're, we're trying. I like when there's primetime matchups I can get excited about. This one, I can't. It's the lowest line total of the week at 40 and a half, pretty easily so. You got a backup quarterback. You got the Giants, who were an abject disaster in week one. I am not excited for this game at all, but maybe we'll be able to laugh at it. Uh, let's take a look here at the Giants. Um, let's start with uh, let's start with the most underappreciated player in fantasy football, by the way, Sterling Shepard. Uh, he's seen five or more targets in 11 straight games over his last three games. He has 24 catches for 302 yards and three touchdowns on 31 targets, scoring over 20 points in a PPR in each of the three. He's got a tougher matchup with Kendall Fuller this week, but honestly, that is the giant I'm most excited to play. Saquon Barkley, unfortunately, look, our injury expert up at FantasyPoints.com thought he looked fine in week one, physically. The problem is the team around him didn't look fine. The team looked like crap to me. Saquon Barkley getting hit in the backfield, 2.6 yards per carry. He is a low-end running back, too, this week. He admitted, came out and said, you know, that quick turnaround this early in the season, not ideal. Um, I would anticipate his usage is going to be similar in week two, play 50% of the snaps or so, and then they'll start to ramp it up as it goes forward. There was no setbacks for Saquon Barkley, but that Giants team, I just think, is a disaster. Um, The other guy who I think you could consider this week from the Giants is Kenny Galladay, who's got a really good matchup on the outside. Um, I know he's talented, but Benjamin St. Juice, the rookie cornerback out of Minnesota, got roasted by the Chargers and Mike Williams last week. So um, I think uh, Kenny Galladay's got a shot to make a couple of plays for the Giants in this game. You know, I love the point about Sterling Shepard. He looked awesome on Sunday. He looked like their best skill guy. Yeah, uh, he's a slot receiver on a bad football team. Those guys are not people you get excited about from a fantasy perspective, but this guy puts up numbers. What about for Washington? We got a new quarterback, Taylor Heineke. You know, the markets actually don't think there's much of a difference between Fitzpatrick and Heineke, but I am doing a downgrade uh, of the pass catchers here in Washington. You know, uh, I think you might have seen that great catch Terry McLaurin made uh, on a deep ball from Heineke. The problem was it looked like Heineke was throwing a water balloon. I mean, that thing was up in the air for like three hours. I mean, this was a cross-country flight. I mean, and and then – McLaren had to adjust to it. I think arm strength's a problem for Heineke. Otherwise, I actually like the way the guy plays. You know, he runs around. Um, he has some some super flex appeal if if because he can run around, add you twenty to thirty yards, maybe get you in the end zone on the ground. But um, I, it's a downgrade to uh, to Terry McLaren for me. I think he's more of a wide receiver too. He had six catches for seventy three yards in his only game with with. Uh, uh, Heineke last year, which isn't going to kill you. I mean, that's fine. It's just we thought Fitzmagic getting in there aggressive was going to be great for him, and unfortunately, he got hurt in week one. Um, Logan Thomas still on the tight end one radar he produced with Heineke last year, uh, and the guy that stands out to me is Antonio Gibson. Serious bell cow usage in week one. He had 20 carries. He led the club with five targets. He wasn't tackled for a single loss, despite that offensive line looking overmatched against the Chargers last week. 
And he also ran a route on 50% of dropbacks compared to 35% for J.D. McKissick. Serious bell cow usage for Antonio Gibson in week one against the Chargers. Let's move on. Sunday one, the Patriots are at the Jets. I thought Mac Jones looked pretty good, Joe, but there were fumbles. Harris fumbled, yeah, Stephen uh, fumbled. Billy Belichick doesn't like that. So what's going to happen here? I mean, you know, Stevenson fumbled early in the game and then went into Chateau Bow Wow. Um, then Damian Harris takes this game over. You know, he runs for 100-plus yards, and, you know, they're about to go in for the win, and then he fumbles in the red zone. Is Bill Belichick, and I don't know the answer to this question, is Bill Belichick going to say that fumble was so bad because of the situation that that guy is getting benched this week? Or... Is he going to say, you know, we put a ton on Damian Harris's plate and he fumbled at the end of the game, but let's not ignore the fact what he did leading up to that point. I'm not sure the answer to that, but I am willing to downgrade Damian Harris just a little bit. Stevenson comes in. Apparently he had a dislocated thumb. My question is why, is why is he in the game in the first place if a dislocated thumb could potentially lead to a fumble? James White did what we wanted James White to do. He caught six passes. That's the guy I'm probably most comfortable with in this backfield. And J.J. Taylor, I think, is somebody who's probably going to be activated this week. We'll see. I wouldn't be shocked if Ramondre Stevenson's inactive in this game. I would be shocked if Damian Harris was inactive in this game, Ross. I would be. Like, I just can't imagine um, Damian Harris, like, after running for 100 yards. Um, I know that fumble cost them the game, but they were in that position to win the game in part because of Damian Harris. But this is one of those priors that I was talking about at the top of the podcast. We've been operating under the assumption Damian Harris now with Cam Newton out. Oh, he's the lead. He's going to get the touchdown opportunities. We don't want to overreact to a fumble, but we do know Bill Belichick could give you the Stephen Ridley treatment. Anything at receiver or tight end for the Pats? Well, I mean, the Jets' secondary is not good. I mean, they have a bunch of rookies out there. Um, I would say, first and foremost, Nelson Aguilar looked pretty good to me. I think you could consider him on the perimeter, but the one guy, Jacoby Myers, did lead that team with nine targets. He had just six for 44 receiving, and there is a rookie in the slot for the Jets. His name is Michael Carter. He's the other Michael Carter. Um, I think that's a really good matchup for Jacoby Myers. Let's get to the Jets on the other side. Zach Wilson started to heat up a little bit in the second half of that game against Carolina, Joe. There's one guy you can consider playing from the Jets right now, and it's Corey Davis. I mean, that that's it. I mean, he was the number one receiver in the preseason. Uh, he was the number one receiver in week one. Um, the backfield. I mean, this is, this is a cornucopia of crap here, Ross. Nine for 24 for Tevin Coleman, four for 15 for Ty Johnson, four for six for Michael Carter. Zero fantasy relevance. Um, Elijah, Elijah Moore had an opportunity last week, played about 90% of the snaps, ran a route on almost every snap he played. Unfortunately... Jamison Crowder's coming back this week, likely because of the COVID. Oh, and by the way, Elijah Moore had negative receiving yards last week. Just not a fantasy team I am in any way interested in against this New England Patriots defense. Let's keep it moving. Uh, I kind of thought you'd say that about the Jets. What about the Broncos and the Jags? Broncos lose Jerry Judy. He's on IR. Yeah, that's a shame. Um, Ross, you know how much I loved him. I don't know if you were watching that game. Jerry Judy was going to catch 10 passes in that game. He had six for 71 when he got hurt, and it was less than midway through the third quarter. The good news is on Jerry Judy that it looks like it's going to be a short-term IR kind of situation. So hold him if you can. Hold him if you can. I wouldn't be shocked. If the Broncos decide this week, you know what? We've got um, 
We've got a really good matchup against the Jacksonville defense that showed no resistance to Houston whatsoever. Let's try to get Cortland Sutton going. He had just one catch and three targets last week, but he did play a, a full snap share and led the team in routes run. So Cortland Sutton, I would think, is a guy that they're going to try to pepper with. That's just a gut feeling, but they're going to be like, you know what? We're without Jerry Judy for the next couple of weeks. Let's get Cortland Sutton out there. Let's get him involved. Otherwise, the question's going to be, who are you picking up off the waiver wire? K.J. Hamler is the splash play. K.J. Hamler should have had a 50-yard touchdown last week, Ross. I don't know if you saw it, but he dropped it. It was perfectly thrown by Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe the best deep ball Teddy Bridgewater's thrown in his life, and K.J. Hamler dropped it. So he's the splash player. He made a play later in the game. But a guy who answers the bell every single time he gets called upon is Tim Patrick. And he comes out, and he moves the chains, and he's just one of those guys. That, and, and I'm going to – this is completely anecdotal when it comes to Tim Patrick. But I just think people are like, he's got a boring name. That's a tight end <laughs> name. That's a that's a second or third string tight end name. I don't want to pick it, up. It really is. Patrick. It really is a good point. And but no, he produces every time he's out there. He's somebody who I think you can put in your lineup as a wide receiver three this week against an abominable, abominable Jacksonville defense in the backfield. Ross, let's uh, let's let's call it like it is. <laughs> This was a completely even split in snaps, in touches, and in routes run between Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Don't box score scout. Melvin Gordon ran for 101 yards in that game, but 70 of it was on a touchdown run when that game was out of hand already. So don't box score scout. What I am telling you is that Melvin Gordon's not going away just yet, but I don't think you drafted Javante Williams for weeks one, two, and three. You drafted Javante Williams for weeks 14, 15, and 16. He still looked pretty good to me. He's more of an RB3 flex kind of player right now. But don't panic on Javante Williams. He will get his. What about the Jags offensively? So uh, Trevor Lawrence looked pretty damn good to me, um, except for the mistakes. But he had everything on his plate. They didn't run the ball. They didn't try to run the ball. They couldn't run the ball. James Robinson had five carries. Five. I don't think he saw a touch until the second quarter. So I don't know how you're confident playing James Robinson right now, especially against a Bronco defense that swallowed Saquon Barkley alive. Um, I think the Bron- uh, the Jaguars are going to have to throw the ball. And if they do, there's guys you can play. DJ Chark had 12 targets, scored a touchdown. Caught just three of them. But remember, he and Lawrence aren't really on the same page. They didn't get a lot of work together this summer. Marvin Jones, nine targets. He scored a touchdown. He's a wide receiver three. LaVisca Chenault, nine targets, seven catches. He's a wide receiver three. And if you are dumpster diving, James O'Shaughnessy ran as many routes as any tight end in week one. He had eight targets. Trevor Lawrence threw the ball 51 times in that game. I don't see that as a pathway for success for the Jaguars, but I don't know what else they're going to do at this point. Um, Just not a backfield that I'm very interested in. By the way, Carlos Hyde, nine carries, 44 yards. He had two targets. James Robinson did have six targets, but both of those guys are very low-end RB3s right now. One thing I am interested in keeps keeping my hair, and so is Joe now. Joe, (laughs) before you know it, Joe will stop wearing the fantasy points hat and he'll be showing off his keeps-infused hair because two out of three men experience some form of hair loss. Look, here's the deal, okay? I know a lot of you are starting to lose your hair, whether you admit it or not, and I know a lot of you are curious whether or not you should do something about it. The answer is yes. 
There's literally two FDA-approved drugs. That means there's scientific evidence that they keep what you got. Literally, the name of the company is Keeps. And for some people, it even helps it grow back a little bit. But keep what you have. It's so easy. I rub it on at the top of my head in the morning and at night, and I take a pill in the morning, and it's been golden for me. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash feast to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash feast to get your first month free. Keeps.com slash feast. And yes, I am giving away another Madden copy on Friday's show. So if you sign up for Keeps, send it to me, Ross at RossTucker.com. Maybe you'll get the Madden this week. Buffalo is at Miami. I know the Steelers' defense is really good, Joe. Yeah. But I was a little disappointed by the Bills. Yeah, I thought it was a bad performance by them. You know, they had a couple of turnovers. Um, This is one of those ones, Ross, where I am just – I'm not going to overreact to week one. I don't want to know what it means if the Buffalo Bills offense isn't great. But, I mean, I think it's I think it was just a week one kind of an egg lay out there. And, you know, the, the fortunate thing for the Bills is the guys who you needed to come through kind of did for you. Allen didn't have a great fantasy game. He threw for 270 and a touchdown, but he also ran for 44 yards to give you that little extra boost there. So that was fine. Uh, Stephon Diggs. 14 targets, 9 catches. Cole Beasley, 13 targets, 8 catches. Stephon Diggs has now caught 6 or more passes in 19 of his 20 games with the Buffalo Bills. He scored double-digit PPR points in all 20 games with the Buffalo Bills. Fortunately, you're not panicking on those guys who you're counting on. The news that we got last week that was a surprise was Zach Moss being a healthy scratch. And... It didn't really result in a huge game for Devin Singletary. The Buffalo Bills consider the run game just kind of an ancillary part of their offense. Um, I wonder if they'll increase that a little bit last this week after Josh Allen dropped back to pass over 50 times. Um, but Devin Singletary had an okay game, 11 for 72 rushing, 3 for 8 receiving. I don't think he did anything that would suggest they need to go back to Zach Moss. I don't know if Moss is going to be active in Week 2. To me, he's flat droppable in fantasy right now if you have a shallow bench. Uh, but Singletary's more of an RB3. That was kind of the big surprise we got from Buffalo, but it didn't lead to any sort of serious fantasy relevance for Devin Singletary. Anything else, Bills-wise, before we get to the Dolphins? Uh, just keep an eye, continue to keep an eye on the uh, Emmanuel Sanders-Gabe Davis situation. I think Davis got dinged up. Uh, Sanders came into that game uh, questionable. Um, uh Davis scored a touchdown, which gave him double-digit fantasy points. But right now, neither one of those guys is is, uh, in your fantasy lineup. But but also, if you're a dumpster dive tight end guy, Dawson Knox caught all four of his targets for 41 yards. Again, not game-changing, but something usable in the future if he continues that role. Let's talk Dolphins offense a little bit, Joe. I'm curious to hear what you thought of Tua and what it means for the skill guys. (sighs) I don't think Tua played all that well, quite frankly. But the good news is the skill guys, the receivers got theirs. Uh, With the one notable exception, Mike Kosicki, goose egg. Yikes. Two targets, no catches for Mike Kosicki. Um, Jalen Waddell was the only receiver taken in the top 10 of April's draft who did not lead his team in targets or routes run in week one. The good news is he was just one off on both behind Devontae Parker. Uh, Devontae Parker is an underrated wide receiver three. I I just I think Jalen Waddle at this point 
what an encouraging week one performance. You know, he was a guy the Patriots looked like, you know, they were scrambling to defend. He's a wide receiver three to me. This team's got some weapons now. Um, the thing that Miami did do was go with a three-man rotation in the backfield. Miles Gaskin played 54% of the snaps. Malcolm Brown played 30%. Salvon Ahmed played 20%. But Gaskin more than doubled up the next closest guy, which was Ahmed, in opportunities. Gaskin uh, had 14 uh, carries plus targets to six for Ahmed and five for Brown. So Gaskin is kind of the low-end RB2 of that group. Um, one more stat on Gesicki. He ran just 18 routes in week one. Durham Smythe, Ross, he just got off being a butler over in Buckingham Palace. He had 15. So that <laughs> was an even split of the two tight ends. Not a good sign for Mike Kosicki moving forward. Something to monitor. Let's get to the Niners and the Eagles, Joe. Your Philadelphia Eagles, everybody laughed at you when you said if you started 17 games, Jalen Hurts would be a top five fantasy quarterback. How do they like you now, Joe? Well, let's see what he does against a a team that puts up half a fight. But, I mean, I thought what I saw was a brilliant coaching performance from Nick Sirianni. Now, Now, Ross, keep in mind, Nick Sirianni had a bad introductory press conference, so... We gotta we gotta keep that in mind here. The guy is obviously still an idiot. He's got to prove it other more than just one game. But I thought he did a great job. Um, Jalen Hurts last year in 2020, his average depth of target was the highest in the NFL, over 10 yards. In week one, it was the lowest in the NFL, under four yards. And what I have come to learn here is, for the most part, a dot is a receiver. And coaching stat, not really a quarterback stat. Um, Jalen Hurts is willing to uncork a deep ball. He's a good deep ball thrower. But Nick Sirianni put him out there and said, we're going to get you in rhythm. We're going to allow you to make plays. And Jalen Hurts executed that offense almost flawlessly in week one. You know, I think think people are going to point to the throw to Dallas Goddard in the end zone, which was a big-time throw for the touchdown. You know, I don't think there were I don't think there were plays where like you're going wow with Jalen Hurts. But what 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 he did do was guys were open and he threw the ball to him. And for Eagles fans who watched Carson Wentz last year, that was a problem. Guys were open and Jalen Hurts threw him the football. And he got and he got things done on the ground. So Jalen Hurts. Obviously, a starting fantasy quarterback at this point. You know, Devontae Smith comes out, leads the team in targets, routes run, and receiving in his first game. Jalen Rager has six catches. You know, all of a sudden, this team's got some speed, man. The the run game was great. Now, here is something to monitor for the Eagles going forward. Kenny Gainwell, the rookie running back out of Memphis, was exclusively their hurry-up back. In hurry-up situations, the two-minute drill at the end of the first half, Kenny Gainwell was the back. Miles Sanders looked good, but Kenny Gainwell's role is as the hurry-up back. Boston Scott did not play a snap in this game. Kenny Gainwell is the clear number two and should be rostered in fantasy football leagues. This, And by the way, he was excellent in pass protection. That is not something you often see from a rookie running back. So the Eagle offense, encouraging performance. Let's see what they do against a better defense. Of course, San Francisco, as San Francisco is wont to do, some critical injuries in the secondary, including Jason Verrett. 
Yeah, it's a good point. What about uh, for the Niners offensively? Most are done for the year, yeah. Joe. Um, so here is the obviously I think what people want to listen to. Unfortunately, by the time you you hear this, waivers have likely run in your league. What do we do with the backfield for San Francisco? What do we do with Brandon Ayuk? Um, San Francisco threw us for the biggest loop of anybody in week number one. Uh, Trey Sermon, at least he gave us time to prepare. Trey Sermon was inactive. Um, Trey Sermon will be active going forward, I, I presume, because Raheem Mostert's out for the year. Then Mostert rips off 20 yards on his first two carries and then ends uh, ends his season um, with, a, with a knee injury. Eli Mitchell, Elijah Mitchell from Louisiana Lafayette runs for over 100 yards in his first game. I didn't want to overreact to Mitchell, but here's the point. He aced the test. Trey Sermon didn't ace the test in, in training camp. That doesn't mean Trey Sermon won't get to retake the test, but he uh, but Eli Mitchell aced the test in week number one. You know, Greg Cosell said uh, in his scouting report for us at FantasyPoints.com, before Mitchell got drafted, he said um, – this guy would project best to the NFL in a foundational zone scheme. And one of our subscribers asked me in our Discord chat, and he goes, well, does San Francisco run a foundational zone scheme? I said, brother, San Francisco runs the foundational zone scheme. Like, mm-hmm. Elijah Mitchell is a perfect fit here. So, so is Trey Sermon, by the way. But for right now, Elijah Mitchell is an RB2 until proven otherwise. Jamichael Hasty's there as well. He scored a touchdown in that game. I'm benching Brandon Ayuk until further notice. But to me, the Brandon Ayuk kind of benching wasn't – I think it was more disciplinary than anything else. I think it was he he was dinged up coming off the hamstring. He still ran routes on a large majority of their plays. So he didn't get a target. Just keep that in mind. I'm not playing him right now. Debo Samuel to the moon right now. He has to be in your lineups. Don't panic on Brandon Ayuk. This is not a droppable situation. And if I could try to swing a trade for him on the cheap, I think I'd be want to do that. Let's get to the Rams and the Colts. I guess I'm curious what your thoughts are on Wentz and the Colts. Yeah, Wentz was fine. Um, Here's the problem. I don't know what it is with Wentz, Ross, but the teams that he has been on the last three years – have been completely devoid of talent on the outside. Carson Wentz is not a checkdown quarterback. You know, I remember going into some stats this offseason when we were trying to project Naeem Hines and saying, bad news, guys, Naeem Hines. Carson Wentz checks his, checks down to the running backs at like a league low rate, while uh, Phillip Rivers checked it down at a league high rate. Well, what happens in week one? 15 throws directed to the running backs of Carson Wentz is 38. And here's the reason, because they have nothing on the outside. Michael Pittman is still raw. T.Y. Hilton's on IR. Paris Campbell's coming off an injury. Zach Pascal's a guy who scored two touchdowns, but he's a guy. The Colts do not have weapons. Their weapons are their running backs. Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines. And, you know, Taylor's an RB1 right now. Jonathan Taylor, in that game, put up 17.6 fantasy points without scoring a touchdown. I would not have anticipated that from Jonathan Taylor. He caught six passes in that game. He's a good receiver. He's somebody who's got to be an RB1 in your lineup. I think Hines is kind of a flex play. Everybody else on this team, uh, no thank you. I mean, Michael Pittman this week, I'm burying him in my rankings. Jalen Ramsey um, on the perimeter. I mean, Darius Williams, they do not have good matchups here uh, against the Rams. 
Wentz is in no way anywhere near a fantasy lineup for me. It's really, for me, it's Hines, it's Taylor, or it's Bust for the Indianapolis Colts. That was not an encouraging week one performance because I think that that offense showed flaws on the roster and the defense offered no resistance to Seattle whatsoever. What about, Joe, the Rams? Uh, they didn't have much of a running game, but Stafford kind of did what we were hoping was going to do. Well, they didn't have to run a whole lot of plays, quite frankly. They only ran 50 plays in that game. And and Daryl Henderson, actually, Ross, I'll, I'll push back on you a little bit, played nearly every snap. He played all but three. Uh, I think to be expected because Sony Michelle is learning the offense. But he gets 16 carries for 70 yards and a touchdown. He adds a reception for 17 yards. My assertion all along was they were going to give him the first opportunity. Again, just like I said with Elijah Mitchell, he aced the test. Can he stay on the field? That's the bigger question, and it's not something we can answer right now. But Daryl Henderson is an RB2 until further, uh, until proven otherwise. In the, uh, At receiver, Cooper Cup took advantage of a really good matchup in the slot. Uh, a couple of coverage busts for the Bears. Um, he's the guy I feel best about right now. You know, Van Jefferson actually ran more routes than Robert Woods in week one. Now, there is something where I'm wondering, is that signal or is that noise? I'd lean more to noise right now. I'd lean more towards the fact that the Rams, frankly, didn't have to do anything. I mean, Stafford hit that 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 touchdown on on his first throw or his second throw as a, uh, as a Los Angeles Ram, and I think everybody knew that game was over. Like, I just think everybody knew that the Chicago Bears were not coming back into that football game at that point. And um, Stafford's a QB1 for me, lower end because he doesn't run. Um, I think you have to play Woods. I think you have to play Cup. And I think you have to play Henderson. I also think you have to play Tyler Higby. Here you go. Every snap Tyler Higby played, five for 68 receiving, six targets. That's a tight end one right now. This is a really good fantasy offense. The one thing I need cleared up. What's the receiver rotation? Because Van Jefferson did run more routes than Robert Woods. Got it. All right. Vegas, baby. Vegas. The Vegas Raiders are in Pittsburgh. Mm. Really impressed by the Vegas scoring in the fourth quarter. Derek Carr. Waller got 188 targets. (laughs) But now they're going against the Steelers defense. Tougher matchup. Uh, not that Baltimore is an easy matchup, but Baltimore, of course, has had some injury problems. Obviously, they lost Marcus Peters within seconds of losing Gus Edwards last week. So certainly something that needs to be uh, addressed for Baltimore. You know what's funny, Ross, is Derek Carr throws for 435 and two touchdowns in that game. I don't think he was all that sharp until late, quite frankly. I thought he missed a bunch of throws. Um, early in the game on the second play, Henry Ruggs is wide-ass open for a touchdown. Carr checks it down to Alec Ingold. So, I mean, there's still some problems with Carr, but I, I have to admit, I love the competitiveness. I love the uh, the spunk. I love the leadership of Carr. He just does some things that make you want to scream sometimes. And uh, and I think I think that's what you got to live with with Derek Carr. But at the very least, he knows who his best receiver is. Darren Waller is that guy. Over his last 10 games, 10.3 targets per game, 92.9 receiving yards per game. Darren Waller will contend with Travis Kelsey for the number one tight end in fantasy football this year. That I guarantee you. Um, Josh Jacobs, here is the problem. He was not 100%. He came in with a toe injury. He needed it to get rewrapped in that game. Um, he uh, He was also ill. 
So there was there was a, a lot going on with Josh Jacobs. He and Kenyon Drake had kind of a 1A, 1B split. Jacobs outsnapped Drake 45 to 41, but their opportunities, which is carries plus targets, were split right down the center, 12 to 12, with Jacobs being favored on the ground, Kenyon Drake being favored through the air. The Raiders are underdogs in this game. That is typically not good news for Josh Jacobs, even though they were underdogs in week one. 19 of Josh Jacobs' 21 career touchdowns have come in Raider wins. Only two have come in losses. So that's something that that you really want to look at when it comes to Josh Jacobs. I think he's more of a low-end RB2 this week. Here is the deal. Jacobs is their goal line back, though. Inside the 10-yard line, he outsnapped Kenyon Drake 4-1. to one. So some interesting trends for the for the Raiders in week one. Another guy to keep an eye on, by the way, is Brian Edwards, who was a ghost for three quarters and then was a critical player to the Raiders' overtime win over the Baltimore Ravens. What about the Steelers, Joe? Curious what you saw from them offensively. Uh, well, the offensive line was not good. That's a problem. You know, Max Crosby and Carl Nassib lived in the backfield of the Baltimore Ravens in week one. So um, I, I want I want to see what happens with that offensive line. The good news for Najee Harris, he played every snap. The bad news is he had nowhere to run. I think he averaged like 2.8 yards per carry and 2.3 of them were before contact, uh, were after contact rather. So uh, I, I do, I love the usage though with, with Najee Harris. That's a guy who has to be in your lineup right now. If you look at the offensive line, you're like, Oh God, I have to hold my dooms and put Najee Harris in my lineup. I think that's fine. Um, but you have to put him in your lineup. Guys are running backs who play 100% of the snaps are not common in this day and age in the NFL. Um, 38, 32 throws for Ben Roethlisberger, 10 to Deontay Johnson, 8 to Juju Smith-Schuster, 5 to Chase Claypool, um, and very conservative, a dot of 5.5 yards. I wonder how much of that was the matchup with the with the uh, Buffalo Bills, but just five of Ben's 32 pass attempts traveled more than 15 yards in the air. That's good news for Deontay Johnson and Juju. That's not as good news for Chase Claypool. Very good point. All right. Let's get to the Bengals. Jamar Chase, they play at the Bears, but Jamar Chase, all that stuff in the preseason looked pretty good. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I mean, look, I I don't I, I can't say I wasn't a little concerned, you know, um, with all that. And then the BS story comes out. Oh my God, he doesn't know how to catch the NFL football. And he was literally just asking answering the question of what makes the NFL football different. You know, it was factual what he was saying. He comes out in week one, Jamar Chase. He leads the Bengals receivers in snaps. He leads the Bengals receivers in routes run. He leads the Bengals receivers in targets. He leads the Bengals receivers in yards. He scores a touchdown. Jamar Chase was used as the Bengals' number one wide receiver in week one. T. Higgins did leave briefly. He did leave briefly with a um, with a, a, a de- dehydration situation. He needed to get an IV. But Jamar Chase right now is somebody I want in my lineup. The Bears are out there... Uh, uh, they have problems in the slot. Cooper Cup ate them alive. Just a gut feeling for me that this is a week for Tyler Boyd to get back in the box score and eat for the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, and by the way, speaking of bell cow usage, we just talked about it with Najee Harris. Joe Mixon, 33 touches, led all running backs in week one. If he stays on the field, Joe Mixon will be a league winner. That is a guarantee. Nice. What about for the Bears? Um, I think David Montgomery looks good. The problem is they use Damian Williams in a kind of pseudo-Tariq Cohen-ish role. Um, 
The Bears averaged just 3.2 yards on first down, which is miserable. It was terrible in week one. It was the worst of any team. I think they're going to give Andy Dalton the shot to go out here against his former team, but the Justin Fields package is going to increase. The good news here is there will not be nearly as much resistance for Allen Robinson as there was against Jalen Ramsey and company in week one. Allen Robinson's going to have a very strong game, whether it's Fields or Dalton in this game. And another bear to keep an eye on, Darnell Mooney, the wide receiver, 100% of the snaps. He played every single snap in week one. Not somebody you're using just yet. Maybe you mix him in in DFS a little bit this week, though, because the Bengals gave up a lot of production to Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, and the legendary K.J. Osborne, the Minnesota Vikings <laughs> in week one. K.J. Osborne, former uh, UB Buffalo. By the way, picks-wise, they're the number one app, Joe, for sports betting picks from a team of trend-watching, data-devouring sports fanatics, giving you the who, how, and why behind every prediction for every game, every day, and every sport. Loaded with best bets, props, and parlays, you can find in-depth analysis on every game, all for free. Found your pick? Search our latest sportsbook promotions to sign up for an account, compare the odds, and finally, place your bet. Download the free PicksWise app now, to make your next bet better. PicksWise backs responsible gambling. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's get to the Texans. I told, I don't know if I said it on this show, Joe, but other places, I had Tyrod Taylor as my DFS quarterback. Loved oh, it. Now oh, they play the Browns. Uh, yeah, and they're 13-point underdogs. Um, I know this comes out after waivers run. So I'm sorry if I'm insulting you right now. There is no bigger fool's gold in fantasy football this week than people who are spending significant parts of their fab budget on Mark Ingram. Uh, like, I want nothing to do with it. Like, I talked about Kenny Gainwell earlier. I'd rather have Kenny Gainwell on my team than Mark Ingram. The Texans are going to stick. They just they ran into a great matchup in week one against Jacksonville. Uh, they were able to play from ahead a at the start of that game. I'm honest with you, Ross. Tyrod Taylor, by the way, he is a stream-worthy quarterback. There's no t- doubt about it. Not a great matchup against Cleveland, though. Oh, and by the way, uh, uh, yeah, the, uh, I think he's more of a super flex guy. Um, Brandon Cooks is the only Texan I'm interested in. Let me reevaluate if they come out and do something impressive against the Browns, but Brandon Cooks is the only Texan I'm interested in. For fans. What about the Browns? So Nick Chubb's now outscored Kareem Hunt in 10 of his last 14 games. Nick Chubb is a superstar. Um, this guy, I like sometimes I just watch this guy and I feel like he's the best running back in football. Um, this is a great Nick Chubb week. The, the Browns are two touchdown favorites at home. I mean, Nick Chubb, in the argument to be the number one overall running back on the slate. I mean, it's very hard not to rank Christian McCaffrey there, uh, but Nick Chubb in the argument to be the number one overall running back on the slate. Um, I don't know what's going on with Odell Beckham. Um, he didn't. He wasn't active in week one. That's a guy you can't play until further notice. Um, Jarvis Landry is a wide receiver three. Here's the problem. Baker Mayfield threw 28 passes in week one. Nobody got more than five targets, and he targeted nine different receivers. That's not a good recipe for fantasy success for this passing game. Um, it's good for Baker. It's not good for fantasy. The guy to keep an eye on, even though he played less than Donovan Peoples-Jones, Anthony Schwartz had three catches for 69 yards on five targets, the speedster out of Auburn. That's somebody who I'm really interested in. He's got sprinter speed. Just keep an eye on him. I do feel like he'll be volatile for fantasy. Um, and also, 
David Njoku led the team in receiving and ran more routes than Austin Hooper in week one. Not somebody I'm advising you put in your lineup just yet, but that's somebody who might have a shot to produce going forward. I agree on both Schwartz and Njoku. I think it's a good point. Schwartz is a the guy they tried to get the ball to. Last one for episode number one. Remember, it's the show that's so nice. We do it twice. We do the Thursday nighter and all the Sunday one o'clockers in episode one. Episode two, we get to the late games and Sunday night and Monday night football. Last one o'clock game, the Saints. Jameis wow. Winston and the Saints at Carolina. So, I know everybody's going to be talking about Marquez Cal. Look, and Alvin Kamara's in your lineup, okay? Like, that was serious bell cow usage for Kamara. Uh, we knew all along Kamara was good. Uh, Jameis was good for Kamara. So, you know, he's in your lineup. People are freaking out about Marquez Callaway. Oh, my God, you know, you guys are talking this guy up. Two, two targets in week one. Here is the problem, Ross. Jameis Winston threw 20 passes, okay? When a quarterback throws 20 passes, I don't care how many touchdowns he throws for. When a quarterback throws 20 passes, somebody is not going to catch the football. Jameis Winston was the first quarterback in the history of the sport to throw five touchdowns with less than 150 passing yards. That was an all-time outlier game. Marquez Callaway still led this team in routes run. Uh, he ran a route on 20 of 21 pass plays, okay? He's going to be fine in a game where the uh, opponent offers any resistance whatsoever. And the Packers did not show up. They just didn't show up. So don't freak out on Marquez Callaway. Um, the tight end situation is something I'm going to monitor. Juwan Johnson's yeah. my boy. I've been talking to him up. But Adam Troutman led the team in targets with six and ran a route on 18 of 21 pass plays. I think Johnson's usage is going to go up, but Adam Troutman's not dead just yet for the New Orleans Saints. Jameis, a stream-worthy quarterback this week. I still don't think that Carolina defense is very good. They just ran into a uh, terrible offense in the New York Jets. What about Carolina? What did you see from Darnold, from Christian McCaffrey, and... <laughs> Seemed like Darnold finally got some things going with Robbie Anderson a little bit. I love Christian McCaffrey, man. 30 touches, 180 freaking seven yards from scrimmage in his return from injury. I love that, man. Um, get him in your lineup. Duh. Um, uh, Darnold, I thought, was fine. I don't think, like, I think people are like, oh my God, you know, he played great. I don't think he played great. I don't think he needed to play great. You know, he had the fumble in the red zone, and but he distributed the ball. That's what I wanted to see. The interesting part to me was the receiver usage. Terrace Marshall was exclusively the slot receiver here. Um, keep in mind, the Saints have some problems in the secondary. They are getting Bradley Roby this week, but Marshawn Lattimore is not going to play. He's got, he's got problems uh, with his thumb, needed to have thumb surgery. So D.J. Moore, strong wide receiver too. Would have liked to see a little bit more out of Robbie Anderson. Fortunately, his one catch was a 57-yard touchdown. He's a volatile wide receiver three for me. Terrace Marshall is a hold for me. He's in my he's on my bench. He was very close to a big game, close to having a touchdown. He had six targets, which was third on the team behind McCaffrey and Moore. Let's see one more week how that receiver situation shakes out. But I'm still interested in the role that Terrace Marshall had in week one. One down, one to go. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single show. We'll get to all of the late games, the Sunday nighter and the Monday nighter. Still many more games to get to. Joe is on fire. Check us out at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod, at FG underscore Dolan. And, of course, FantasyPoints.com, code 21 
Feast. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. You got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 109WITHIT. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit. 